Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every month we deep dive into a different aspect of cinema, directors, genres, actors, or franchises. It doesn't matter, because it's always fun at the Film Club. I'm Dean. I'm Becky. And I'm Randy. Yes, he is. We have a guest this week. And we have a brand new month. Yes, we do. We are deep diving into the works of Sir David Lynch, the American Surrealist, one of Dean's favorite directors, and... um, a fucking wild man of cinema. Can, can I can I interject, sir? Yeah, uh, I, I know he knighted him. I guess I, I, I've knighted. I, he, oh, okay. He's from like middle America. <laughs> I just I've, had to double check real quick. You know, I gotta clarify that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not actually knighted, but in in here he's knighted. I'm surprised you didn't open with you know imitating David Lynch. Look, we're gonna get into my David oh, Lynch imitations <laughs> later. I forgot about that. Oh, oh come goodness. on. You know, I, I should really push him to do the entire month talking like David Lynch. It would be really hard to do, sweetheart, but, you know. <laughs> Can yeah. I get the mannerisms, too? It's, oh, it's going to be great. You're going to uh, have to, you know, zhuzh up your hair a little I, bit. I'll get the pomp going, start, like, like smoking a little bit and, like, mm-hmm. staring off into the into the ether. <laughs> but, yeah, so we're doing David Lynch Month. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to start this off by talking about his, not his first movie. We already did Eraserhead. Yes, we did. Your favorite movie. No. But uh, we're going to start off with his first, like, real movie. The one that had the real studio backing, his second overall film. But this is the first one he made that was supposed to be a feature film. The Elephant Man. It's kind of crazy that this is his second movie. Yeah. It's It's really good. We got nominated for how many Oscars? uh, Eight Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor... Uh, and I think a bunch of There's probably screenplays in there somewhere. Screenplays probably. in there somewhere. The one I know that wasn't not nominated is because it didn't exist yet. Was yeah. uh, special of, or special makeup effects? That was wild. That because of this movie that you know launched itself into its own category in the Academy Awards. Yeah, that's why the year after this, American Werewolf in London mm-hmm. wins that Academy Award for best special makeup effects. Wow, that's crazy. He spawned his own um, category. Academy, yeah. <laughs> yep. Which is wild because. Like, the makeup effects on this were done, like, a week before production started. Or, like, a couple of days before production started. As you do. As you do. Because, um... So, I guess for people who don't know, uh, the producer of this film is Mel Brooks. My hero. Yes. Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks. He's like, Mm -hmm. this David Lynch kid, he's going places. You know, we're going to make a real movie with him. And it's Elephant Man. Um, but one of the caveats that Lynch had doing the film was he wanted to do the makeup on his own. Like, he wanted to do the design and all that stuff. And um, no one knows what it looks like, but the consensus is it didn't look right. His original? His original didn't look right. Mm. So they got a guy to do the makeup effects, like, the week before production started and just kind of put it together. Mm-hmm. And this is what they got, which... They were oh, like looks good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they used the actual um John or Joseph Merrick's um skeleton to base the mm-hmm. um makeup on and pictures from the period. So that's why it looks really good. It's they're they say it's like the closest you could get to what he would probably actually look and sound and walk around like cuz mm-hmm. he existed before like video or film or all that stuff. Yeah, I think there's only one picture or a couple of pictures of him. There's like a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some some of them are like like obviously done when he was in like a hospital yeah uh and i think there's a few like production photos from when he was on his like tours around europe and things like that yeah uh but you know the movie 
stars but, Anthony Hopkins and all this other stuff. By the way, you know, based on a true story, you know, in case that wasn't obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is based on a true story of uh, Joseph Merrick. Um, he was the Elephant Man. He was pretty famous in his day for having a series of deformities, uh, including tumors and odd bone growth. He had like a skin condition and all these other things that he purportedly spawned from his mother being frightened by an elephant when she was pregnant with him. As you do. As you do. You know, that's just how science works, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but... But in reality, it was a Proteus syndrome. So, you know, they were able to figure out what it really was. You know, this man was suffering of not, you know, my mom got scared of an elephant. Here we go. (laughs) I'm, I'm pretty sure at the time he was like, the fucking elephants. The fucking elephants. He still has a grudge against them. Uh, But the movie, uh, this comes out in like 1980. uh, And, you know, Randy, this is a David Lynch month. What what are your thoughts on on David Lynch? On David Lynch? I I think he's really good at what he does. He likes to be slightly off, a little unsettling, you know, where you're... It seems pretty real, but there's something a little sinister about it. There's something not quite right. It seems familiar, but not. Um, he's a lot better when he's reined in a little bit, when there's a little bit tugging tugging him back from a racer head and things like that. Bob from Twin Peaks. Not a, Still not a fan? Nightmare fuel. <laughs> okay. Well, Boo, you know, you've seen Twin Peaks and a few other Lynch movies, yeah. you know, at least Eraserhead. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on Lynch? You know, we're starting the month off. Um, not my favorite. I mean, I really enjoyed Elephant Man, uh, but yeah, I hate that he doesn't like to give me closure. <laughs> and that will be my, you know, my constant battle with him is that he likes to just leave everything open-ended, and I don't like that. I, I don't get the feeling that his movies are open-ended, but they're very, very up to interpretation. The Return? Okay, the, maybe The Return is very open-ended. <laughs> they really want that fourth season. They do. It's been like seven years, guys. I don't think we're getting a fourth season. <laughs> but um, We'll fight for it, damn know. it. We need it. We do. Kyle McLaughlin, get the suit back on. You're going back. But uh, yeah, so The Elephant Man. I don't, I don't know where you guys want to start with this one because it is, uh, on its surface, is a pretty like boilerplate period drama, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's just all the weird lynchisms that make this movie so, I, I would say, um, the least touching? Lynchian. It is probably the least Lynchian movie I can think of. Mm-hmm. It's not really off kilter, except and not really surrealistic. Ex- okay, except how this movie fucking opens this movie opens fucking weird weird yeah. weird as shit lynch opener <laughs> through and through lynch was like look look brooks i'll do the movie only if i get to do weird dream shit because uh the movie opens with the with the woman that we soon figure out is merrick's mother mm-hmm. and she's being frightened by this elephant and it's this weird surrealistic thing where there's smoke and there's stars and then you hear a baby crying and there's like superimposition of her and the elephants and like a weird wailing that's like the elephant like wail but it's superimposed over her wailing and there's some like music going on that sounds a little bit like a circus but it's also sounds like satan's coming for me (laughs) i'm it's it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable 
But, uh, you know, that's just that's just the only way to open a Lynch movie. Only way. Because after this, we go right into Victorian England period drama at the carnival. You see the sideshows. You see, you know, Anthony Hopkins. And you're like, Anthony Hopkins is in this fucking movie? <laughs> fucking, fucking Dr. Hannibal's in this movie? Before Hannibal. I'm far before Hannibal. This is like a decade plus out yeah. from Hannibal Lecter. Also, it's it's weird to see Anthony Hopkins in this and realizing he'd have been acting for 20 years at this point. Had what? he really? He's like 40 in this. Yeah. But like he'd been acting for 20 years already. Yeah. Wow. Also, like, is it is it weird to see a young Anthony Hopkins? Younger. Young. Okay, younger. He's a grown ass man in this movie. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not seeing like fucking Malcolm McDowell and Clockwork Orange young, but yeah, is it weird to see a young Anthony? It Hopkins? is a little weird yeah, to see it. Bit. He does look different, like distinctly different, different than he does in like in Hannibal. In Hannibal, yeah. A yeah. decade later, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, because we see him for the first time, and he's going through the. Uh, we would just call it like what it is. It's a it's a Victorian era freak show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's going through the freak show, and he comes across like. This crowd that's gathered around, women are leaving, they're crying, men are aghast. A cop comes up and be like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? And like kicks the um, Mr. Bright, the show performer, out. Mm-hmm. And Trees is like, well, what the, what the fuck's behind there? I need to know. It says the elephant man. Does he really have a trunk? What's in the box? What's in the box? And he eventually, you know, gets a call and is able to get a private showing for the elephant man. And this is the first time we actually get to see what he looks like vaguely. Kinda. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit da- ba- uh, it's a little cast in shadows. But what is your what's your thoughts on this at at first? You know, like the the sideshow, the production, all this stuff. The opening after the opening. The, yes. The op- <laughs> yes. The after we get through the Lynch shit, the actual movie when it starts. Oh, my initial impressions were really like uh, taking in. What Anthony Hopkins like looks like he looks like he's determined. He's not interested in like most of the stuff that's going mm-hmm. on around him. He sees the um, exhibit for the Elephant Man, and he kind of beelines straight for it. He like he seems determined. He knows what he wants. He wants to. I mean, it's revealed later that he's like a professor of anatomy and like mm-hmm. a surgeon. So he's looking for um, something that pertains to that. And this is a freak show. He could probably find something for his profession here and takes that the like initial like straight away towards the elephant man do you agreed (laughs) (laughs) do do you think he um he already he was there for like completely um his own means where he's like i want to find someone or something here that i could use for like study or bring to like the the theater i mean once you think about it it seems like something that a lot of people probably did you know i'm like you know, I'm studying anatomy, I'm studying the human mm-hmm. form, and I want to study the extremes of it. Well, where do I go? Yeah. The freak show. This is also where we first meet, like, Bright. Mm-hmm. Uh, is who... it Bright or Bite? I think it it's bright. bite. It's Bite. I thought it was Bright. It's really weird because he's got that English accent. And who, do, who did I tell you you were mispronouncing the name of yesterday? Oh, uh, Treves. Oh, Treves, yes. But that's also because I saw how oh. it was spelled and I was like, Trevor's? It, it's Bites with a Y, but that this it made it kind of sound like Bates when some of them were talking. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was like, well, is it Bates? Bites? Bright? It's Bite. Okay. I blame the English. Um, but we get <laughs> I blame to, your research. <laughs> well, we get to meet him. And I mean, speaking of research, so apparently a lot of 
fights and Merrick's relationship is pretty fictionalized yeah. in this. Because mm-hmm. I think... Because... Um, Merrick was the one that was going out seeking work and traveling in a lot of these, like, freak shows and carnivals. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a willing participant in, like, all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was very much, you know, okay, I'm starting a new tour. And then, you know, he finally made his way back to trees towards the end. Yeah. I mean, because mm. it, it's a thing where I think he goes to the hospital willingly in, yeah. in, like, what happens in real life. And the other thing is, like, he's intelligent like that's like a thing real in the movie and in real life and all this other stuff but he was like a pretty savvy businessman because he mm-hmm. knew that like no one can duplicate my act yeah. so he, he was fairly well paid like he was able to pay for that room that he got at the hospital on his own okay so that that's where like a really breaks away it like already we're we're not very far into the movie and there's a huge breakaway from what really happened in his life and what the movie's portraying yeah yes which i mean like you know creative liberties to make your movie work yeah but i mean the essence of the movie i think is very based on his on real experience yeah once you get past that Mm -hmm. like relationship between him and, and bite then it becomes what the movie's really about yeah and um we're, we we kind of get to that once uh treves treves anthony hawkins frederick, frederick anthony Hawk- frederick <laughs> no it's Fre- frederick <laughs> uh, frederick frankenstein <laughs> so uh anthony hawkins uh takes merrick to the hospital to be examined and he does the lecture with him and all this other and all this other stuff but um which is very young frankenstein <laughs> oh god where um what is it you're waiting for gene wilder to start stab himself in the uh, leg i, that's and what I was waiting thing. for this frederick to do too <laughs> class dismissed i mean it is a, it would be a mel brooks nod he did produce the movie he did he did we even have you know the uh the scene where they're at the the play oh more yeah. than what they're at the theater i guess you watch young frankenstein again <laughs> i miss that movie it's a I good love movie. That movie that is a good one but um this is like the first time we get trees and merrick and they have like a their first like one-on-one and like merrick elephant man nothing stonewalls him the whole time Mm -hmm. doesn't say anything he doesn't really like interact with him at all he just kind of stares at him and trees gets the idea that he's an imbecile like he doesn't he doesn't understand what's going on so you know he tells this to uh john gilga the um hospital like general or whatever and the mother's head and the mother's head mm-hmm. and the doctor says something that really like i don't know stands out to me where it's like i i hope to god he's an imbecile cause, yes exactly. could you imagine mm-hmm. it's like i mean fuck could you could you imagine that mm-hmm. you know is, is that is that worse to is it worse that merrick knows what's what he looks like and what's going on would it be better for him if he was you know as the movie says an imbecile and just unaware of the world well, well the, the movie asks these questions they uh, do. you know that's a it's a tough question but i I think it's a tough month randy it's lynch month <laughs> yes he could just be fucking winging this for all we know it's it's really tough to say because you can't uh, an, a a not a problem with this movie but another question posed or like a situation posed and what you feel like uh or feel about it is that we never get to know john's thoughts or merrick's thoughts we never get to know his thoughts how he feels about things we there's no internal monologue there's no like him by himself really like saying anything 
So we don't know his perspective on it if he's just grateful to be alive in the first place with yeah. all of the deformities he has. You know, it's it's terrible for the able-bodied men in the room to think about mm. what it would be like to be Merrick. They they wish that if they were in their shoes that they would be an imbecile because they know the life that they've already lived. Mm-hmm. But you don't know how Merrick feels about that. Merrick could be like, well, no, of course I wouldn't want to be an imbecile. I've still experienced life. And the, I've, with my intellect, been able to enjoy great things, even though I can more understand how far I am away from other people. And as the movie does note, his genitals are untouched. He <laughs> And his got, left arm. And his left yeah. arm. He's got options. Also, uh, why does the movie uh, point out that his junk is fine? Well, um, I think it's one. It's is a that, red herring, almost. It's gonna be that question. Well, is it everything? I think they're just kind of like putting it out there. No, it's fine. Don't don't push it. For the discerning men in the audience, mm-hmm. don't worry. Your mm-hmm. trunk will be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's like it was like contagious. Don't worry if you catch it, you'll, your trunk will be fine. I mean, I, the inquiring minds need to know. We need to know. <laughs> oh Lord, but. It, it is one of those things where I think you do bring up a good point where it doesn't, like, how we, like, or you bring up a good point that Merrick, we don't get his internal monologue, his internal life. We get, I think, a, two or three moments where he's by himself, but it's briefly, and then somebody comes in, and then, like, tragedy ensues because, yeah. he, yes. you know, you, you gotta kick the elephant when he's down. And yeah. um, it's, it's a thing where... I never really feel that we know wholly who Merrick is. Mm-hmm. And because there's points in the movie where he asks, you know, am I curable? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, like there's nothing we can do. We can make you comfortable, but we can't cure you. And there's points where he's trying his best to like dress in fine clothes and, and do his hair and try and like act as somebody of, higher society of like quote-unquote normal society and i think he even realizes that this is an act that he can't actually put on i don't know you know really fucking sad (laughs) i do have a thought though about one of the things you mentioned is that when he asks he's if he's uncurable um the doctor frederick anthony hopkins doesn't hesitate in giving his answer he just tells him straight up no you're not he's like i ain't giving you false hope like that yeah. I mean, it's kind yeah. of a strong, like, I got a feeling that it was kind of like a strong scene because of how forward he was with John. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's one of those things where it's like all these things kind of just start flowing through the movie once you we actually get to the point where Merrick can speak and they're able to communicate. Because that happens after Merrick goes back, it's beaten by Bright, and then mm-hmm. has to come back to the hospital yeah. for, like, medical attention. And it's like... Treves Anthony Hopkins is just pushing so hard to try and prove that it's like you can speak right you can communicate with me there's something underneath this appearance there's there's I need to know if you're if you're a if you're a man under there if you're human it's like if there's yeah, something he's going searching on. for his humanity yeah and I'm like why is Treves so invested in in this because I mean what is it it's 45 minutes and he's got no indication that Merrick even really understands what's going on. 
But he, I, I'm wondering why you think he is so invested in proving that Merrick is a man under there if he has humanity. Well, I mean, partially I think it's because the governor of the hospital is ready to be like, you know what, we can't really do too much for him. Mm-hmm. He's taking up services here. We're going to have to get rid of him. So I think it's part of that. But I also think it's just, you know, you've already been treated, you know, so badly by humanity and the cards you've been dealt, you know, with all the stuff that you're, you know, ailed with. It's like, I just want to be able to help you any way that I can. And I think that's what he's searching for, you know, that last little, you know, sliver of hope. Well, also, it could be that he's trying to make sure, double check, triple check that uh, Merrick is is an imbecile so that he doesn't have this whole weight of oh god you know what what has happened to this man has he really gone through all this stuff and understand what has happened to him so you could you could even look at it that way there's kind of another thing you know where we do get more of the internalization of uh frederick of anthony hopkins character we do get to know more of what he thinks but it it's still not clear in that moment, like what he's hoping for. Is he really hoping that Merrick is an imbecile so that he doesn't understand what's going on? Or is he really hoping that Merrick is intelligent so that he can keep him there? Cause um, I, you could say like, Oh, he wants him to keep him there to keep him away from bright. But there was also like a um, or bite or bite fucking ah, English fool, man. man. <laughs> You're going to fuck yourself up, aren't you? That's the way it's going to go. To keep him away from Bite, but they were already talking about sending him to a different hospital, so that might have not even been an option anyway. Mm -hmm. It's also the thing where I think Treves understands that Bite is abusive, a drunk, Mm -hmm. a cruel person, a cruel taskmaster, and he's like, I can't... It's like sending the sending you uh, a dog off to the bad home from Mm -hmm. the shelter, and it's like, "I, I can't do that. You know, it it's almost like Treves is trying to just do a kindness to Merrick, and he's trying any way possible to just to just do one good thing for this guy who probably has not had a single good thing go for him his whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we get to honestly, I think one of the more powerful scenes of the movie when uh, Trees finally gets Merrick to talk, and he's going to prove to the general that he's intelligent. You know, yeah. he's going to talk to you. You're going to say these things to him, and you're going to prove you can do this. And you know, John Gilgood, the uh, general or the headmaster tech. The, general. I think the the term is like governor of the hospital. Yeah, the hospital. I don't know why I keep saying general, the yeah. surgeon general, <laughs> the governor. The governor comes in, and he's talking to Merrick, and the governor realizes that. Hey, I know that Treves has coached you through this conversation. It's it's fine. You you go. Yeah. And then he and he tells Treves he's like, "Look, he can't he can't hold a real conversation. You coach him through this whole thing. He's not intelligent. He's basically a parrot. We're just going to send him off to the hospital. He's going to get a hospital bed and they'll take care of him until he's better, whatever that means, mm-hmm. and he'll be gone." She's like, "Oh god, no." And then we hear Merrick reciting a quote from the Bible, mm-hmm. and Trees realizes that I didn't teach him that. Mm-hmm. That's that's something well, he made up. Well, the thing is that he taught him the first half of it yeah. and didn't finish by the time it was time to meet the governor. Mm-hmm. And so when he finishes the quote, he's like, "Oh my God!" Mm-hmm. There's he's intelligent in there. And then Merrick says, "Like 
oh, that's my favorite quote from from the, the good book. And they're mm-hmm. like, you can read? He's like, of course I can read. Why didn't you say anything? I was afraid. I was afraid to speak. Yeah. And and uh, I just want to let everybody know. Randy, you brought uh, reference material for the for the. Oh, scene? that's for the end. That's for the end? <laughs> the reference material is for the end. Ooh. Gotta, gotta bury the lead here. You know, guys, there's, there's some shit going down. Mm-hmm. But this, I think, is such a powerful scene, right? Because yeah. it's just, it's proving that, like, under all this, there's, like, a man in there, a man who has, who has you know, thoughts, feelings, he's intelligent, he's, his favorite, he has a, a favorite verse of the Bible, so he's read the Bible, he's very pious, and as we find out that he's, he is, like, hopeful and kind and and generous to like almost a fault yeah. of himself he, he kind of exudes like a, um like christian ideals almost because of how nice and how presentable he is other than you know his yeah. disfigurement but how just how nice knowledgeable quaint he's never too forward with anybody he's engaging mm-hmm. he's very uh he loves beautiful things and he's not afraid to express, you know, the beauty of things, you know, when he meets uh, Frederick's wife for the first time. Oh, and he starts crying. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, you know, like, what did I do? And he's like, you know, I've never had a beautiful woman, you know, talk to me and basically treat me like a human being. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's horrible to, you know, to be, you know, treated like this your entire life and just, you know, someone ex- extending the kindness of having a conversation and tea with you to bring you to tears. And he's always so thankful about, like, literally anything they yeah. do for him. And, and even when he gets, like, status in society and he's hanging out with, like, when the queen herself takes interest in him, he's not flaunting his, like, oh, well, the queen takes interest in me. He's like, I have such kind friends. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, like, that's, like, the beauty, the internal beauty of, uh, you know, John Merrick in this movie. I mean- even the the pictures on the mantle in Frederick's house where mm-hmm. you know he's like you know can I see those and you know she's beautiful your parents they look so noble and it's just you know wow this man you know he's just just a, a pool of depth yeah and it, it, and it's a thing where he's like he's not like he's not dumb either it's not like a Lenny from Mice and Men thing mm-hmm. where he's like no. oh he's so sweet he's like no he's like well read and he's like for Victorian England he is above the curve yeah. He's a he's a man in his 20s who can read. Ladies, hook on to that ship. He's he, going places. He could write. He could also write. Granted, he's a lefty, so the church doesn't look kindly on him, but, <laughs> you know. Jeez. Sure. <laughs> but, um, so after the they learn that it's like, oh, Merrick's intelligent and he's all these things, Treves kind of gets into the papers and, you know, they start writing about, you know, hey, this hospital, they have uh, this guy who's this and that and all those other things. And this gets the attention of the actress, uh, mm-hmm. played by Anne Bancroft, whose name I will forget. Oh. It's uh, Mrs. Kendall. Mrs. Kendall. Kendall. There we go. And also, uh, probably the third, second or third worst person in this movie, the Night Watchman. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, played by somebody I don't know, but who gives a great performance as a scumbag. Uh, Just, Michael uh, Elpick. My, Michael Elpick? Yeah, yeah, plays a great scumbag. Great scumbag. He plays the night scum porter. <laughs> they they <laughs> actually call him the night scum porter? It's you... just the night porter. I just added the scum. Oh, oh okay. All right. His name is now Scummy. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, and that gets the attention to, to these two. And 
it's kind of interesting how in that it's like oh somebody who's very like you know angelic and nice and somebody who's very scummy both see him mm. and both almost are going for the same reasons to meet him they're, they're interested in him but i mean you have mm. mrs kendall who's just kind of wow you know this man has been given so little but he just has so much to him it's like i want to meet him to talk to him and to befriend him and you have the night porter well i could you know i could make some money off of this i can you know kind of push this guy around and it's like really and also john why aren't you telling people yo this weird creepy guy keeps coming into my room every night well because um at least in the context of the movie he's been ingrained with this um afraidness with with this the scared tendencies you know he doesn't want to speak out he could barely speak out for his own safety yeah that's true when it was just him uh trevers and the governor Mm -hmm. it's also a thing like the the actress kendall is she she is going to him and you get the sense that she's you know bringing him up also classic actress thing here's a gift a picture of myself yeah, you'll yeah. love it. True, <laughs> but um, brings her a picture and a and a book of um Shakespeare. Shakespeare's plays, mm-hmm. and you get the sense that oh, she's doing this like nice kindness, but you know Lynch holds on her a little too long, and she has that weird like flinch in her eyes when she's looking at him, where she's playing a performance. Like I mm-hmm. think she is still she's uncomfortable around mm-hmm. him, but she's acting the part of a kind noble like merciful woman and i don't think it's till merrick starts reading romeo and juliet that she's kind of starts feeling more comfortable Mm -hmm. around him Mm -hmm. and then she you know she gives him a little kiss which probably probably was like oh oh moment and um this is probably the moment where i think merrick feels like the highest when she's like you're not the elephant man you're romeo and mm-hmm. you get the shot of him, you're kind of looking up at it. It's like, oh, that's probably like, you know what? Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> it's also funny. There's never he's never shown having any like romantic interests mm-hmm. kind yeah. of thing. Is that weird? No. no, I think it's that's kind of goes along with the red herring of like his genitals are fine. <laughs> um, Just is let like you know the jewels still shine on, boys. It's like when when Anne Bancroft shows up to talk to him, Mrs. Robinson, yes, and you're just like, oh, is like is something gonna happen? <laughs> you know, she goes to like kiss him, and you're like, she's actually gonna fucking kiss him, and then she kisses him we, on the cheek. Is this one of the? Are we gonna see the elephant trunk? Is there a thing going on here? <laughs> well, it's. I think it's kind of like. It also harkens back to his, you know, um, Christian beginnings, you know, where he's like, he wouldn't take that step, yeah. maybe. It's it's just the thing where I think it's so interesting because you can see this movie made even 10 years after this or made by a different director where it's like, oh, somebody will see the beauty in him and there'll be, and he'll have some romantic, you know, mm-hmm interest or something and it's like oh it's so tragic he died but she saw his inner beauty it's like no i think she's just legit like oh you're such a like kind soul underneath this what was that movie Mm. with the deformed guy and the blind girl is that mask i think it is is it mask i I, Um, it's the one with like eric stoltz right there's also uh the man who laughs with conrad white oh that's an older movie too. that's an older movie but the the woman's blind and he's deformed. There's there's a smile that's carved on his face. Mm-hmm. So he's constantly smiling, and it's a very you know kind of like Joker. That 
Joker's inspired by mm-hmm. by that role. But that's kind of the same realm there where, you know, he's found love with her and, you know, she loves him because she knows him. She yeah, it's, knows a, it's a typical trope. Yeah. I mean, Phantom of the Opera, the same yeah. thing. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I just think it's interesting how this movie is like, we know the trope. We know you're looking for it. Not even going to engage with it. Yeah, it just kind of sidesteps that problem. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, we get it with, like, the mother's head. We get it with some of the nurses there who, you know, were afraid of him. Or the mother's head that was like, you know, he's not worth it. Uh, he, he doesn't understand anything. It's like you're talking to a cement wall. And throughout the course of the movie, all these people get to know him and get to know basically mm-hmm. his soul. And it's like, you know, I really care for him. I really like him. And it's like, I love seeing that switch in these people that didn't want to give him a chance at first. It, it's like as soon as you get past his, like, appearance mm-hmm. and you're just like, he is like, like painfully shy and incredibly mm-hmm. sweet. That's like the the thing mm-hmm. I think most of them would probably describe him as. Yeah. But um, this is right around the time because you know everyone's like, oh, Miss Kendall, the famous actress, saw her saw Joseph Merrick. Well, I gotta see him. He's the toast of high society now. Well, well they didn't see real Joseph Merrick. They saw the movie one, or, John, or Merrick. John Merrick. John Merrick. John, <laughs> yes, John Merrick. Um. Uh, what, what is it like? Copy, John copyright distinct or whatever? Cop, yeah, Legally yeah. distinct? Legally distinct. Uh, you can't get sued. <laughs> but, um, and this is when you, like, you get, like, all, like, the fancy rich people. They're going to go see him. And he's, like, having them for tea. And he's talking to them. And he's like, oh, you are so nice and kind to come here. I'm so happy to have friends over. And you get the sense that everyone who's talking to him is very uncomfortable to be around him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the mother's head that says, you know, they're not there for him to, you know, become friends or anything. They're there so when they go to their, you know, fancy parties, they could hobnob and be like, oh, that's right. I met John Merrick and we had a conversation and, oh, it was splendid. And it's like, they're not really there to know him. They're just there to have another story. It's kind of an evolution onto the freak show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. Trees even defends it as, well, it's good for him to be socialized. You know, it's it's good for him to, like, see people and talk to people. Until he finally has that realization, I'm doing the same thing that Bites was doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next best scene of the movie where I'm like, so this is is the Anthony Hopkins Oscar bait moment, right? One of the 70,000 he does in his career. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where he's like, am I a good man or a bad man? Am I so different than bite? Yeah. And he's talking to his wife and he's like, did I just take him from one freak show to another? Mm-hmm. Did I just take him from the sideshow to the main stage? This is like the only time you get a sense of Treves like internal guilt mm-hmm. or questioning his own morals or whatnot. Like what, what are your thoughts on this? It really colors the way you perceive him throughout the film. I mean, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but in one of the last scenes where they're um, at the uh, theater, mm-hmm. um, Merrick is watching the show, and Frederick is watching Merrick. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where he's, even up till the end of the movie, he's still um, wrestling with that feeling of, am I, am I doing the right thing? And I think that's why I love Frederick, because you could see it as, you know, oh, he just found him at a freak show and he wants to study and he wants to, you know, maybe advance in his career. But it's like, no, he actually cares about John. And it's turned into this thing of, you know, is there any way that I could help the medicine world and help this man? But also I want to help this man heal. And I want to kind of, you know, show him that humanity can be humane and not just you're something to look at and something to throw, you know, things at. It, it, it That is an interesting thought. Like, is Trees trying to create this ecosystem of 
a humane world for Merrick to exist in. Like, that's kind of what's going on with these, like, he gets, because I think right after this, this is when they have the vote, where it's like, yeah. oh, Merrick, um, we're going to vote right now if he'll be allowed to stay at the hospital indefinitely, or if we'll have to kick him out because we can't, you know, save the bed or whatever. And that's when the fucking princess yeah. and the, and the comes princess in. Wales the princess of Wales just appears. Mm-hmm. The princess of Wales just appears, and she's like, I bring word from the queen. Mm-hmm. You know, that queen, Victoria, bitches. And she's like, she says, it's so kind that you're allowing John Merrick to stay here free of charge for as long as he wants, guys. Right? And they're like, yes, yes, he's going to stay here as long as he wants. Totally. And they all have to do the vote of like, yeah, he'll stay here as long as he wants because the fucking queen mother came down and said, do our fucking job. The thing is, that's not exactly what goes down. It's the funny version. But basically, she shows up and she goes, oh, you guys are doing such an altruistic, such a Christian thing to do. You guys are doing just a top-notch job taking care of this lowly person. And, you know, they're in the middle of the vote. They're literally just about the vote. And then the head goes, or the governor goes, well, um, surely everybody would agree if, uh, you know, we got a stipend from the government to pay for the room. And uh, other than that, uh, everything's going to be peachy keen, right? And everybody's like, yep. (laughs) And then there's the one guy who was like, fuck the elephant man. He's like, well, yeah, sure. What am I going to do? Revolt against the queen? You're like, that shit didn't work. When the Princess of Wales is here, you got to say, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Of course, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, mom. Yes. And um, so this is like right when he gets the the vote and all that stuff. And, you know, he finally gets his apartment. He finally gets his own room. And it's like, you can stay here indefinitely. This is your home. And it's this is where I think Trees is like catering this world for him. It's like you can like as long as Joseph or John, John Merrick exists in this bubble, he'll be safe. He'll be okay. Then Trees could allow like people in to see him that aren't you know, bites or, you know, scum, you know, night porters. You know, he can like, I can cater a world where he'll be okay. Mm -hmm. But that's still like, this is like before, um, the actress shows up. I think so. Yeah. Actually it's a little bit before this. It's before the actress shows up. Yeah. And, um, but I'm just like in this moment, I'm thinking he's cre he's catered this little world, this bubble, but that's still a thing where, well, you're just, a, a sideshow man but mm-hmm. you're just letting a different clientele into the tent yeah i mean it, it does kind of when you realize um frederick's inner conflict it does kind of color his previous scenes and what he's been doing all along to help merrick it gives like a little sinister tinge of like may, maybe maybe it all wasn't for like not everything was for merrick a hundred percent there's like a little bit that was for frederick's own gain so that he could show that he's being altruistic he's being nice he's doing this but not for the niceties themselves but for what they get him do do you think he's he's completely altruistic or there's some personal gain there i think there's some personal gain i can agree with that i think you know we all like having a little bit of that validation of you know see i did that i went to help that person i'm good but I think, you know, him just being naturally good outweighs the little bit of validation that he wants. You, you think on the grand scheme, he is still he is still the good man in his doubt of, am I a good man or am I an evil yeah. man? Am I that different from Bite? Well, yeah. the thing is that uh, on the scales, the um, 
the part where he thinks am i evil that weighs heavily on the yeah. scales of his soul on mm-hmm. his conscience you know he's even though that's just it's just a little little bit of doubt the little bit of well i mean i kind of mm, i mean i did take him to the anatomy society to show off to everybody mm-hmm. and i didn't do that out of the kindness of my heart and yeah. i showed everyone his dick i showed everybody's dick yeah. you know that wasn't really the nicest kindest thing to do i wonder if that's why it's in there he's just like i mean i showed everyone his dick I had him whip his cock out. Like, what? <laughs> how can I be a good man? Well, also, you know, they send the, like, I'm sure they were a little boastful, the letters they sent to the queen of being like, ooh, look, we're being so nice to this man. Mm-hmm. So that, even though it's like a small little tinge to his personality, to what he does to Merrick, it weighs heavily on yeah. him. It's it's one of those things where it's like, the movie's called The Elephant Man, but it's about trees at i think like he's the one who has this this such heavy burden and it's i feel he's the one that's carrying so much emotional weight mm-hmm. on him and it's I, I love anthony hawkins in this movie oh, yeah. i i actually don't think that you can say for sure that there's one protagonist of this movie one main character no. i think it's kind of equally split between the two it's a, it's a solid it's a solid little like dual lead here which is i mean it's hard to do really like you don't see a lot of movies have like a straight up dual lead where everything works out fine and you know one person doesn't overshadow the other it's it's kind of this thing where it's like how are you going to nominate who's lead and who's supporting in this yeah yeah really you have two heavy hitters with anthony hopkins and john hurt this is also john hurt what the year after he did alien yeah Yeah. really (laughs) you know okay you know the movie in alien where he's or in alien John Hurt's the guy that has the chestburster burst out. He's he's yeah, the first yeah. guy that dies in Alien. Oh, okay. He also shows up in Spaceballs, reprising his role of guy who gets chestburst <laughs> yes, out. Yes, I know that. I also by Mel Brooks. By Mel Brooks. I also love the fact where he's like, I went from having a basic penis shoot out of my chest to being the Elephant Man, the range of this man, Kino. I mean that scene at the train station. Oh, because okay. I mean, we see John change so much throughout this movie. Oh, we're gonna get there because that is that should that should hit Diffy. But right, but right before that, or I guess a little bit before that, this we'll talk about when Scummy, the old Night Watchman, mm-hmm. brings the crowd, brings the drunks, showing Merrick off for one last show, and this is like the low point because Merrick's kind of on top of the world. He got like the uh, grooming kit, which is actually real life. He actually got a gift from like like the princess of wales of a, like a really like fancy grooming kit where he'd like comb his hair and he would like act like an aristocrat for like you know his cologne own and all sorts of fancy things in this nice box mm-hmm. yeah and he's there like acting all nice and everything's happy and then the scummy the night porter shows up and puts on a show for all the drunks and he brings in people and there's some hookers and they're like rubbing up against him and he sh- they're, they're pouring booze down i'm not his sure throat. if they're hookers but they're definitely floozies they're floozies. The, the floozies <laughs> yes we call them sluts sir. <laughs> but um they're rubbing up against him and they're like all laughing and taking a big old thing and he is and merrick is petrified yeah mm-hmm. like as soon as you know old scummy comes in he is stock still i'm not mm-hmm. i don't know what to do and this is where you, i think this is where i feel the, like the saddest for him like the sorriest for him because this is where it's like everyone's gawking at him and it, it's the thing in the movie where it's drawing the parallel with well the people in high society were doing the same thing mm-hmm. yeah you know and it's it's it feels like really scummy 
really sad. And who else is in this crowd but Bright? Of course. Or yes, Bite. Bite has yeah, I'm going to fuck it up every time. Bite has him. made an appearance. And then, you know, after all of this, you know, disarray that happens, he's, my treasure, I told you I'd be the only one to protect you. And then steals him. Mm-hmm. Yoink. Whisks him away to the far-off land of France. And, um... This is in like Treves. He confronts the Night Watchman after uh, Merrick goes missing, and whoops the shit out of him. I might add. He, oh, I mean, whoa, no, whoa. No, no, no. He, I, okay, I think he could have. He could have. He think, didn't. I think you know Hannibal Lecter was about to be born in that moment. It's the mother's head. She was like, "Yo, I got this." It's uh, almost like it's a cartoon bonk on the head. That is some Lynch humor. That's how where I'm watching it. I'm like, that's some Lynch humor. I even heard the bonk mm-hmm. come in. That's good. That's good cartoon craftsmanship. There's also another thing about the uh, disarray of the room. It shows that they knocked over like the paper cathedral he's been building. That's another thing. He there's this motif where Merrick is building this paper cathedral because he can only see the top of the spire Mm -hmm. from his window, and he's building the rest of the cathedral with his like imagination. He's just like I'm figuring it out, and it's very like detailed and very nice. And he can only really use his left hand. Yeah. But it's this motif going around where he's kind of building his own sanctuary within mm-hmm. this, like, world that he's kind of, like, now inhabiting in this hospital. But um, we we next meet up with uh, Merrick, and he's in France. Oh, God. I think this was the, one of the roughest scenes. Was, it, was this the point where you got, like, the hardest misty-eyed, like, the heart started that, getting that to was, you? That was the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but I mean, it is yeah. rough to watch how what's happening to him mm-hmm. because up to because this is because at the beginning, like when we see him, it's like, oh, he's basically doing the same thing. He's standing up, doing the turn, all this other stuff. But now we have context. Now mm-hmm. we know that who Merrick is and what he is and how cruel and evil Bite is because mm-hmm. he's like starts hitting him with his cane and he's yelling at him. Once he collapses and he's just, you know, hitting him like, you know. A wounded animal on the floor and even the people are like you know this is fucked up yeah you know, even like, the um, french spit on him uh, yeah. that's the french the, f- the fucking french damn it my people ah <laughs> goddamn frogs but um <laughs> but then we see okay there's a lot of asking of is anyone truly kind in this movie is anybody truly altruistic but then we get to see the other performers, uh, we get to see, you know, the tall man, the bearded lady, the um, the dog-faced boy, the this, the that. Mm-hmm. And they see what Bite's doing to John, and they're like, we can't let him live like this. Yeah, because he continues to beat him. He throws him in a cage with a couple of um, baboons, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The ones with the hairy asses, yes. Yeah, he throws him into this cage with you know just his pants so he's freezing out there and you're just like my god this man has already gone through so much in his you know i want to say his long life but it's you know he's in his 20s yeah Mm -hmm. in his life and then you know this is just you know the cherry on top you throw him in a fucking cage you you throw him in with the animals i'm like you completely have just broken him we'll try and dehumanize him as much as possible and led by um kenny baker kenny baker r2d2 r2 really that is, yep. yes this is r2d2 as Badass. soon as i saw him i that was another like you know lump in my throat like well, oh my god R2. i i know him from time bandits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and it is it is one of those things where it's just it, it's one of those things where i'm like i see him and i'm like oh i just 
Oh, my heart gets a little warmer every time I see Kenny. <laughs> yeah. It is like really weird. I know him from like two movies, but he is like like cut lined into my childhood so fucking deep. But um, he's like, look, buddy, we'll we'll get you out. And they break him out of the ch- out of the cage, and they lead him off to the boat. And and then you have the tall man, you know, basically lift him out of there like a child, and mm-hmm. just like, yeah, th- this is this is you, you know. It's it's kind of a beautiful moment yeah. when it's like all these people who are you know who look different, who are like different from like what society views as normal. And they're all there being like, buddy, you're, you're one of us. Like you're, he sees you as an animal. We're taking you out of the cage. We're taking you away from that because you're a man. You're like us. You're human. We accept you because you are a human being. Mm -hmm. And they send him onto the boat and they, I I forget what Kenny Baker says to him. Oh, um, he wishes him all the luck because he needs all the luck. Mm Mm-hmm. And he just kind of, you know, nods back at him. But I mean, I think, I mean, there's a lot of striking images, but I think that scene when they're walking past the waterfront mm-hmm, and, and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, completely still. So they're reflected off the water, but it's just them in the dead of night trying to get him to safety, to salvation. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow. Like, okay. It's fucking beautiful, right? <laughs> like, oh, mm-hmm. my God. And John returns to England. And um, this is the train station scene. Mm-hmm. This is. Are you, are you okay? You're yeah, getting a little misty. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, we'll, we'll wait till the end well, of the when scene. When we get to the end. Yeah, when I'm we get fine. to the end of the scene. I'm fine. So, John arrives and he's trying to just like get his way through the train station and he's being hassled by a child. Yeah, they're like throwing spitballs at him. I swear, him. I wanted to knock that kid out. <laughs> like, you know what, little Victorian kid? Your ass is grass. Throw a right cross and <laughs> knock oh, his yeah. kid ass out. <laughs> it, is, it is. And that's the thing. It's like, John is so like. Like, I'm just going to try and get away from him. Mm-hmm. I don't want conflict. I don't want to deal with with this. I don't want anyone to see me. I already have to walk through a crowded train station mm-hmm. and try to pretend to blend as much as I can. And he's, like, trying to get away, and he bumps into a little girl. The little girl runs, like, right into him as mm-hmm. he's running away from teenage boys now. And then everyone's like, oh, get him. Get him. He bumped my child. Mm-hmm. And they, they'll pull the, pull the mask off of him because mm-hmm. he wears this, like... Hood. Hood. A burlap hood, yeah. Uh, uh, Jason from Friday the 13th Part 2. Yeah, basically. Yes. And pulls it off and everyone's like, oh my god, he's a, a beast, a monster. And they're chasing him and they, they corner him in the bathroom. Yeah. And they're all crowding around him and this is when you get the line, I am not an animal. I am a human being. I am a man. And mm-hmm. he like collapses mm-hmm. and... This that's the fucking moment of the movie, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's him that's him just laying it out. He's like, I am I'm a I'm you for God's sakes. Yeah. That is the very first time he kind of pushes back. He, he you know He he breaks through this like visage and he's like, I my soul is laid bare. Yeah. Don't call me the elephant man. I'm I a person, a I have a name. Yeah, Dean, so why did you call him the elephant earlier, huh? Well, he's maybe. a Rude. human being. Well, Rude. well, first of all, they they whipped his dick out. We know why they call him the elephant. Shut the front door. I'm gonna keep bringing it up. It's so weird. I I don't know why they we're, pointed we're, out. We're gonna have to put a tracker on this episode. How many times you said dick? Or whip. <sighs> I'm. I, you know, this scene is kind of like you know the uh, kind of a turning point for him because all throughout the movie he's just kind of gone with whatever anybody else said or mm. does or asked of him mm-hmm. this is the first time that you know he comes not bringing an olive branch but a sword mm-hmm. he fights back you know he, he goes i am a man like don't don't touch me you know don't 
do this. You're like, I'm not something to be gawked at. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not this this beast of you know that you can like push around. I'm I'm a human. And it's and this is like this His is the, character evolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's He kind of takes the reins on mm-hmm. his life. Is this the best scene of the movie? It's probably the most iconic line, it's most iconic the scene, most iconic line. Um, it's got to be the end, the end of the movie. <sighs> oh, don't worry, we're almost we'll there. We'll get there. We're almost there. So, Merrick he makes it back home, and for the return, she's is like, "Oh, Miss Kendall is going to put on a performance, and you can go and see, and they're going to go to the theater." Well, well not think... just Miss Kendall, but also the Princess of Wales is going to be there. <laughs> and she's going to sit next to him. Mm-hmm. But also when they bring him back to the hospital, Frederick runs into his arms and hugs him. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, proof, you know, because uh, John calls everybody his friend, everyone that he talks to. And it's like, in this, it's like, no, Frederick is truly your friend. He missed you. He looked for you. And it was mm-hmm. just kind of like that, you know, very human moment where, you know, he embraced him. It's it's also an interesting thing. If you watch a lot of the movie, most people don't touch John. Mm-hmm. Like they, no one shakes his hand. Really, no one. Well, like... people he does shake people's hands, but kind of because it's a lefty shake, it, it, they kind of yeah. give, they give, give him, him a little little, little eh. claw, you know. A little, eh. This, but I think this is like the most human, like like physical contact we see him get in the movie, that, other than like the kiss. That and the tall man too. The one that oh, you know, picks that him up, yeah. Picks him up and yeah. he carries him like a child or like a baby out of the Yeah, but this the is the first human we see do it. I'm oh, joking. I'm wow. joking. Wow. wow. I'm sorry. Randy I, I apologize. So hey, rude. Hey, Randy, Randy. Way to go missing the point of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, we we get this. We get, you know, Trees is so happy and they're they they're going to the theater and John is amazed by what's going on and you know, as Randy referenced earlier. John is mesmerized by what's on stage, and Treves is staring right at the back of Merrick's head. Mm-hmm. And it's we still get that weight on Treves. Is is he's what he's doing still right? Conflicted. He yeah. still is not sure. Even after everything said and done, even after Merrick's miraculous return to him, he's still not sure. He's like, oh, you know, we've brought him here to see the show. There's really more to it than that. Mm-hmm. And we get to the end of the show, and this is when Kendall comes out, and she is like, I thank you all for being here tonight, but tonight is a very special performance for somebody who loves the theater, but is the, never been. has never been, and this is their first time. I'd like to dedicate this show, and the whole company would like to dedicate it to John Merrick. And, you know, every, and they're like, stand up, take the bow, and John stands up, everyone's clapping for him, all this. This is true to life, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually did go to the theater, and the, the actress, Kendall, actually dedicated the performance to him. He got the standing ovation. Was he thing. sitting next to the Princess of Wales? I think so. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Baller, <laughs> dude. I, I mean, He you probably know. made a pass at her. He's <laughs> like, honey, I got a left arm, and, and my shit's still uh, good. Let's go. <laughs> Jesus, I, I, I could be a, I could be a king. Can you, can you say it for the counter? Tink, uh, Dick. Yeah, there you go. Tink, there you go. Um, but it, it's kind of like That's amazing one for the counter. that he gets he gets the standing applaud, the standing ovation instead of either the uh, performers or the Princess of Wales that he's yeah. sitting. Yeah, next to. and it's and it's a thing where it's like I feel really weird about this because again, Lynch does the thing where he holds on in Bancroft a little too yeah. long, and she's she goes from the smile to like fades a little bit and kind of comes back to it and it's like is she like 
is she doing this just for another like show off like look how kind i am look how good i am look how nice i am to this man or does she know that he's dying they do mention that he is like so that that was what i thought when i saw that i'm like maybe you know she's happy in this moment but she's like he doesn't have that much longer Mm -hmm. and that's why i kind of felt like you know she's like smiling through the heartbreak because she knows he's not going to be around for that much longer it lynch always gives you two different things to mm -hmm. think about it's like well she could know that he's dying and she's heartbroken that this will be like his only performance or maybe his only performance but it also could be that she's kind of upset with herself that she's making such a spectacle out of him Mm -hmm. just like everybody else does yeah she she is another factor of like bite and tree and trees and it's like I just brought you to a whole new crowd to look at you. Mm-hmm. It's it's that thing. The movie is this obsession with, look at this, mm-hmm. look at this, look at him, look at these things. And it's, like, it, it feels weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even all the most altruistic, merciful things, you feel weird because you're just There's like staring. a tinge of some, something's not quite right. Mm-hmm. When, when they have the, the standing ovation and whatnot, there's, there's kind of a feeling that wouldn't it have been better to not have brought attention to John being at the performance where it's just like, couldn't he have just enjoyed it without making a spectacle of him? That I wonder if that would have been more powerful if, you know, at the end, you know, she does the whole thing and, you know, John Merrick and blah, 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 but she doesn't point him out. Mm-hmm. And then maybe everyone's like looking around and maybe John could even be excited. He's like, no one's staring at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, for the first time in my life, I'm not the center of attention. Mm-hmm. But that is that is the scene. That's the complexity of the scene and the complexity of the movie. But um, right after this, we're, we're back in John's apartment. Uh, he says he loves the theater. Trees is like, oh, we'll have to go again sometime. And they say goodnight to each other. Mm-hmm. And... This is when John finishes building the little cathedral, cathedral, the paper cathedral, and then he sees the picture on the wall of the boy praying and the boy laying down, going to sleep. Mm-hmm. And that have been referenced back to a couple of times in the movie already. Yeah, where it's been referenced that John, he cannot lie down on his back because of the tumors and his head and all of that. He'll asphyxiate in his sleep. Yeah. But John removes the pillows from the bed. Yeah. He sets them down very nicely on the on the table and he lays down on his back like a normal man mm-hmm. and you hear his breathing get heavy and then it kind of pans over all artfully over everything and mm-hmm. then Lynch shows up again mm-hmm. where it's like we are now in space his mother is there and she is saying nothing will die everything mm-hmm. is beautiful nothing will die <laughs> fucking <laughs> goddamn it Lynch and it's like and we're spinning through the universe at Mach 5. And then it fades and blasts into white. And that's how the and then end credits. But yeah. that's like the ending of the movie yeah. where we we see John. Yeah, we have like one of the most beautiful, fucking somber scenes in all of cinema. Mm-hmm. And then Lynch just whips his dick out and waves <laughs> it at the crowd. Ting. Ting. I didn't say it that time. But like even then I'm like, it's still like kind of beautiful. Because he's seeing the vision of, like, his mother, and it's, like, this comforting thing. Mm-hmm. Where where it's, like, because, like, we, is that heaven? Is that just him dreaming? And he's, like, this is it. Like, my mother's here to comfort me one last time. 
this is my soul on its next journey mm-hmm. to wherever I'm going to end up next. And it's, and it's a thing where it's like, you know, because I think that's a thing real to life. Um, uh, Joseph Merrick, the the real man, yes. he did like I think he wrote a note. And he's like, I'm going to go to bed, and I'm and I'm. It doing was an this. experiment. He, he he wanted to you know be like a regular man and lie his head down and go to sleep instead of sitting up and having to sleep that way. And they found him, you know, sprawled across his bed. And Frederick knew that you know this was something he had wanted to experiment with, and it failed. And yeah, he had died of asphyxiation. But he also broke two vertebrates in his neck mm-hmm. because of the just the, the weight, weight of, his, of head. The, his head and the tumors. And it's, just, it's sad. It's it's also one of those things where it's it's sad and it's like beautifully tragic and it's a thing where he's like I'm not an animal I'm a man and he wants to lay down his man he wants to rest his his head mm-hmm. this this you know this weary head that's gone through trauma and torment and he's been and hurt it's not and even beaten. you know such a big request it's laying down mm-hmm. it's it's the most simple thing yeah. where it's like like could you imagine like you are so different that you can't. Um, you can't experience something so basic as resting your head. Mm-hmm. It's ah, ah, oh, this movie's so fucking sad, and it's so fucking good. God and it, damn! It kind of makes this this big connection with his favorite the uh, his favorite verse in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Are, is it happening? It's happening <laughs> uh, because in the beginning, or not? Be- well, kind of beginning of it's the like movie. It's like the first time he really talks. The first time he really talks, he re- um, recites the twenty third Psalm. And I will recite it to you now. So you get kind of like the the whole idea of like why that was so important to him and how it harkens to the end of the movie where he finally rests his head. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's It's so, so powerful, it's so it fits the whole theme of the movie kind of completely. He he literally builds a house of the Lord in the cathedral, like mm-hmm. the in his room. What is it like? He his cup runneth over of kindness. He's kind to everyone. He yes. he's what is it? It even begins as like what is? It? I'll lay my I'll lay down in the fields, uh, in the green fields. Yeah, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. It ends with him lying down mm-hmm. in I, like kind of like the green pastures of his life of like he's finally yeah he's finally made it away from from bite from the night watchman like he is completely without enemies at this point. Can you imagine if they did that scene with a, a voiceover? Of the oh, oh, God. <laughs> Just, <laughs> that would snap my soul in half, as Dean would say. God damn, snapped my soul in half. Oh, and it's a thing where it's like that Bible verse, you know, he says it in the movie. And it's like the first and that's the same thing where it's just like, no, he's he's intelligent. He doesn't say it. He projects it mm-hmm. to the point that they could hear it through the door. And it's like this is the first time where he's like, you know what? I need to do this to save myself. Mm-hmm. And you know he has trouble talking because of the way his face, his jaw is all con- mm-hmm. contorted. And he's like projecting this out. And it's like it that psalm is so important to the movie that it's like un, like 
it wraps the whole movie up in a nice little bow. Where yeah. it's it like, really does. Is is he Jesus? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Uh, he brings salvation. R- remember, this is the book of Psalms. This is pre-Jesus. Oh, pre-Jesus. This is the I mean, every, you know, depending, it's all looking towards Jesus if you want to get theological with it. But we won't get into that. No, no, no. I, I really like, you know, the, the, the sequel, you know, or the, the trilogy. Oh, God. <laughs> don't even. Oh, God. You're going to no. have to cut that. <laughs> No, what do you I, mean? The Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of oh, Narnia? Sure, of Obviously, course, yeah. I had to look into uh, Joe Merrick. Yeah. Because I was like, you know, like I need to know more. Because, I mean, this is so tragic. You know, they give him this basically this perfect night. And then he passes away that mm-hmm. same night. But, yeah, I guess he ended up living at the hospital for, you know, a few more years. He even went on holiday three times. Oh, really? So he was able to go and travel. And when he did travel, he had his own train car. So he was, you know alone he didn't have anybody you know to bother him he even stayed on lady knightley's estate Mm -hmm. she he stayed in one of the cottages on her estate and you know wrote to frederick that you know this is basically like a slice of heaven Mm -hmm. you know to be able to walk the grounds and to pick flowers and to just enjoy the beauty so i was like he did get to live so i was just like like okay i'm like he didn't just have this one night and i'm like okay he had you know more good memories there's oh even talking about like his uh, real life there's a little there's still a little sinister tinge to it you know where you're happy that he he gets his own car to himself mm-hmm. but it's also one of those things that it, that still separates him from society from society yeah. it's it's um a thing that uh, i mean this is a i guess yeah i guess it's a parallel you know the thing with like andre the giant mm-hmm. you know because he was like fucking what seven foot four five hundred pounds yeah. and he was like there's stories where he would go to restaurants and he would order food and they would bring him out like party platters of food. And he's like, no, 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 no. Bring me like the same thing you would bring like a normal person. Yeah. Like I'm, yes, I'm a, the Andre the Giant, but I'm, I just want to have like a cheeseburger yeah. and fries. Well, I want to have what regular people have because I am a regular, regular person. person. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that thing where it's like, yeah. Even down to like the core of the movie, it's like he is separated from society, even though he's the most human of anyone in the movie. Like it, it down to his you know, but it's not a thing on him. It's a problem with society. But the way you put that is like it just raises more allegories and parallels to fucking to Jesus in the Bible because it's like you know he is the most human and yet he's separated from society mm-hmm. like Jesus mm-hmm. yeah. uh... well Jesus had washboard abs and the elephant man you know <laughs> had washboard abs show is... me one vote one painting of Jesus where he is not shredded oh, one you, is your Find me one is your favorite depiction of Jesus the one where he's absolutely ripped and he's like ripping off part of the cross Randy, that's like from real documentation. I don't know what you're talking Jeez. about. <laughs> the memes, the memes. Well, well, you're memeing on it, but it's it's like it's pretty real that yeah. you know it's a quite a straight parallel between the two in some ways. I can honestly honestly say that I've never gone to church and thought about Jesus's washboard abs. It shows where Dean and I are, where he's sitting there thinking, "He's like, damn, I wish I was cut like that." I hit the gym a few times a week. Jesus probably swam. You, you, know, bring, up, you bring up having abs a lot. You're like, boo, I could get cut. I could get shredded. I could do this. And I'm like, uh-huh. Dean's like, uh-huh. Jesus, show me the way. And it's the whey protein. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it works, you know. Jesus, dude, Jesus created steroids for everyone, all right? Oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, so. 
Um, but it is this thing where it's like you read the movie, you can draw the Jesus parallel. You can draw this like angelic thing because even that, that's the vibe that I was getting off of him. Like you know, like John Merrick was a living angel here to teach us all. You know, because he literally does no wrong throughout the whole movie. Even when you know he's uh, trapped in the bathroom and people are you know coming after him, the men are ready to beat him for no reason because he didn't harm the little girl. And it's just, you know, he's loud and, you know, I'm a man, but it's not, you know, he never hurls any insults. He never, you know. He's not uh, literally attacking them with a cane no, or anything. He's not even, like, trying to, like, like yell them off. He is trying to plead that. He's like, I am not a monster. I'm a man. I'm like you. Exactly. He, it's like a, it's almost a plead of, like, kind, like have mercy upon a fellow man. Mm-hmm. So that's the vibe I was getting. That he was kind of like, you know, an angel sent here to teach people. Hey, you know, we all look different, but, you know, at the core, we're the same. Mm-hmm. And it's also like the people around him are like struggling with their kindness, mm-hmm. especially uh, Trevere or Trevere? Treves. Treves. Holy crap. You were, you were lower down at the French pronunciation. <laughs> oh, man. Um, did but, did yeah. the end of the movie hit you that hard? <laughs> yes. you, were, you, were, you turned French for me? God damn. I, got, I hope not. Um, hey, hey, I'm French. <laughs> the movie. I'm so sorry. <laughs> 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 so much rudeness in this room today. Did we learn nothing? I blame the French for a lot of things. Everyone um, does. Yeah, the French Revolution, you know, it's just been Jeez. all down here since there. But well, that's all another topic. Anyway, where so was rudeness. I? Sitting there with a Bible in front of you, too. Yes. <laughs> Randy, you're flinging a lot of shade for a man holding a Bible. I'm not holding it, okay? It's just out. In fr- I haven't finished it. You know, we, we, that's a whole other. We, we can start a whole other podcast on that. But anyway. Uh. You you were the one talking, so you got to continue. I know, and halfway through, like our whole like haha whatever, I was like, oh, where where was I? <laughs> I've, I've totally lost uh, it. You we were talking, talking about, about uh, trees. trees. Yeah, but what about them? <laughs> oh lord. Okay, so I guess I guess we'll. So, uh, but yeah, so that's the elephant man. Um, I do. Oh have wait, a, wait, no, oh, I remember. Oh, you, you got I remember, it. You I remember. Back. He's okay. coming back around. You know, tree, trees really struggling with his kindness, with the way. You know, with that little tinge of, of, I mean, I mean, if we're going to keep going with the, you know, parallels and allegories here, his tinge of sin, you know, the the vanity that, that he's tinged with of, of the way he presents Merrick to other people, where it's kind of sullying his kindness to Merrick, even, even though it's like a small thing, it's not big, it's still there, and he feels like he has to keep helping Merrick keep doing things for him as kind of like a repentance for it. But he never quite quite gets there. He never quite jumps that hurdle of seeing Merrick as his equal. I, I get the sense that... I get the sense that Treves wants to see Merrick as an equal. He definitely wants mm-hmm. to. And, I, and it's a thing where it's like, I think John even knows that they're not equal i mean there's that whole scene in the in the movie when uh the night porter comes in and they pull the pull the mirror out and they Mm -hmm. show it to him and he like screams and he's like afraid of his own reflection i think even then john knows that he's like i'm we can never be equal we can be kind to each other but i don't think we can be the same it's Man, this movie's so sad. You know, it's very good though. There was like a note I took at the end of the movie where, like, you know, John dies being surrounded by his friends, but it seems that like Frederick still isn't quite there to be like, oh, he's he is my friend, like a hundred percent, like no doubts, no nothing. 
does does John die knowing that? Like, does he die knowing that f- his version of being friends with Frederick isn't the same as Frederick's version of being friends with John? Mm. You know, that's kind of like one of those tough things where it's like, God, you know, you really hate to think about it. Like, did he really die knowing that, like, well, did he die knowing that um, Frederick wasn't 100% in on it in like 100 percent his friend is it like you know john was such like a nice you know christian human being that he could just look past that hmm i i think because i want to have hope in humanity (laughs) that john was like you know what frederick we might not be equals but you have done more kindness for me than anyone and you have made my life better for being my friend. And I feel that, you know, when John lays his head down, mm-hmm. he thinks that he's like, you know what? I have I have real friends, but I need to know if I can be like them. And I mm-hmm. think that's why he lays his head down because he's like, at the baseline level, if I can do this, then I could be like them. You know, mm-hmm. it's, but yeah, but you know, that's, that's my thing. So I'm like, yeah, let's have a little hope in humanity. God damn it. Hmm. I mean, you still got to pose the questions cause the movie fucking poses a hell of a lot of them and, I mean, and always gives you kind of ambiguous kind of, well, the, the best the movie can do is give you two options. It can never just tell you straight up. I mean, we also have the whole thing where we fly through space at the end of the movie into, into <laughs> I the thought, ether. I thought we were just going to like smooth over that part. No, no. We're, yeah, flies through space. I'm waiting for the title scroll for, for Jedi to come up. I mean, or or how we've like smoothed over the part where the like elephant wailing, superimposing shit happens again in like the middle of the movie. Yeah, because he has a nightmare about the elephants and mm-hmm. his mom, and it's it's weird. Or it's like real weird. The um, how do you say like the the set design and different stuff of how it's like very dark, dingy, industrial, mm-hmm. um, Victorian England. Yeah, I mean that. Well, that goes into the whole thing where it's like that's a a session an obsession for lynch is this dark industrialization that's all of a racer head it's mm-hmm. you know there's a he really like steam the return oh yeah oh yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of like those little lynchian elements in this movie it's a thing where you could have given this script to a lot of directors who would have made good movies but this version like this movie could only really come from lynch because there's so many like weird a tourist touches to the movies mm-hmm. that only come from somebody like him. I think the whole sound design is a whole Very Lynchian, Lynchian yeah. thing. There is actually a little Lynchian thing that we totally glossed over, even though it's a very important part of the visual aspects of the movie. It's in black and white. Oh, yes. You never mentioned that. Uh, well, here, here's the here's something interesting. When Lynch brought on got brought onto the project by Mel Brooks, he had three demands mm-hmm. he got two of them or no he got one of them lost two of them mm-hmm. number one he wanted a thirty thousand dollar budget number two he wanted it to be in black and white <laughs> and number three he wanted the lead to be jack nance jack nance he's oh, the, the guy from, oh. he's the lead from Racerhead. and, and wait, also there's a wait, fish then, in the percolator <laughs> yes that guy <laughs> wait but who if he was the lead who would he have played oh he wanted him to play uh the elephant man 
Oh, okay. or John Merrick. Or mm-hmm. yeah, John Merrick. But um, John Hurt. John Hurt. John Hurt. <laughs> uh, and then Mel Brooks said no because <laughs> he said no. Yeah, sure, whatever. And no. <laughs> yes. The best part: thirty thousand dollar budget. This movie's budget was five million dollars. What the fuck? Because David Lynch. Because remember, David Lynch made Eraserhead over the course of like six years. That was yeah. the only like real movie movie he made. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really have a concept of like a well, budget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's a He's like, what the hell's a budget? I've just been making this on the weekends for the last six years. And Mel Brooks like, no, we got to turn it over faster than yeah. six years. We uh, can't wait, do that. Didn't he make another movie basically the same way? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Inland Empire. Literally did it over the course of like, I think like a year or two mm-hmm. with like a DV cam and mm-hmm. like all of his famous friends. Uh, but as you, you know, do, as you do, he's like, just like, I just wanted to, you know, do what I did with Eraserhead. You know, it, it <laughs> yeah, works I wanna, out fine. Want to have fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and but. I just like that. He's like, I want a $30,000 budget and I will not budge. Will you take $5 million? Well, if you insist, kiddo. Uh, Dean, it's a movie budget. It probably started at like four and a half and then just kind of grew <laughs> yeah, from there. Kept going, kept going, kept going. But it's it's wild because the movie made like five times its budget back. Yeah, That's pretty know, good. Yeah, especially for 1980, right? And it's the other thing where it's like the black and white is perfect for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like watching it, you almost feel like you're watching something from like the 30s or 40s. It, I know I'm gonna be like cruel. It feels like you're watching like one of the universal like horror movies, like Frankenstein or Dracula or mm-hmm. something. Well, yeah, that, that's the vibes that they give you. That's why you know, um, the Man Who Laughs, uh, Phantom of the Opera, all these movies, uh, especially the Lon Chaney movies, mm-hmm. where he played these characters that you know had ailments to them and were just you know. He literally played Quasimodo. Quasimodo, mm-hmm. yeah, you know these people that were just you know beaten down by society, and it's like. These are people that you're hurting. And just because, you know, there's differences in their appearance, you know, you're going to ostracize them. You're going to harass them and hurt them. And that's the vibe that I really got with this movie. Back to Universal Monsters. <sighs> this is where my, where my heart Look is. at that connection. Ooh, is, the... is that a ding on, on your chart to make a connection? Ding. to? Okay. Any way she can relate a movie back to Frankenstein, she'll do it. Okay. The Man Who Laughs, because that's a great movie. Well, you guys so. should watch it. I it's saw the, uh, the play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty like good. It? Yeah, it's good. It's, but yeah, but like this being black and white, perfect. Like Kino, oh, Kino true Kino. And um, I would be interested to see what Jack Nance would have done in the role, but I think John Hurt just kills it. He yes. really killed it. Just we, kills it. We never talked about. Did he have difficulties with all the makeup? Like yes, yeah. tons, tons. I don't think he could eat wearing it and it's also a thing where it's like all that it's heavy all that prosthetics you probably is in a prosthetics chair for like hours or whatever this is early 80s so (laughs) it's all it's all plaster and Mm. duct tape jesus yeah i mean there's there's like the whole thing with it and it's also a thing you notice how his mouth can never be like closed because Mm -hmm. of all the prosthetics and apparently he was like i i hated the drooling Oh, it was awful. Oh. Randy's like, oh, then why'd you mention it? Why? <laughs> no, that just reminds me of, um, what was it? In, is it Evil Dead 1 or 2 where yes. they, he turns on his side? Yeah, the, like, it's, monster? it's in Evil Dead 2 where it's like a giant, you know, evil mo- deadite has come back. And it's this giant, like, um, latex bodysuit. And the actor inside has been in it so long that if you watch, it spins his head over to look at Ash and be like, ah, ha, 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 And you see out of the ear hole. The puddle of sweat that's yeah. built up pours out pours in out a full stream, and it's like, oh, yeah. that is nasty. It that's adds like, to the scene, yeah. but it's it's nasty. It's same with Batman. 
they still have that problem with the cowl where they wear it for so long and just the sweat pools because there's no way to release it. So they're like, well, I'm acting out the scene and I turn and I can hear. That's messed up. Take it off and just, you know. That's messed up. That is so rough. I Oh, Lord. Uh, but, but yeah, it took seven yeah. to eight hours to apply the makeup and two hours to take it off of John Hurt. Oh my god. So that's just ten hours, not including the filming. Yeah. yeah. And a standard film day is like fucking eight hours. Yeah. Something would, like so that. So John Hurt would show up, Sir John Hurt, because you know, he is a sir. Yes. Oh, is he really? He is. Oh, wow. so there's a, there's at least two actually there's like three night knights people in this movie and two dames in this movie. That, yeah. Really? Sir, sir Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. I think it's Sir John Gilgood. Sir John Hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and a, then Sir Frederick. Oh. Because the actual Frederick is was knighted. Yeah, Frederick mm-hmm. Reeves, like the mm-hmm. actual gentleman. Yeah. I think one of the actresses was is a lady. Mm-hmm. I know Anne Bancroft's not because I'm pretty sure she's American. Yeah. I mean, she's Mrs. Robinson, you know. She's also Mrs. Brooks. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Brooks. Um, but yeah, like also like the fucking murderer's row of actors in this movie mm-hmm. is insane. Even though there's not that many principal actors in the movie. No, not really. I mean, some of them are like, like John Gilgood's in like four scenes, mm-hmm. right? Also, you have Kenny Baker in this movie. Y- yes. Steals this one scene he's in. I think he might be knighted too. I'm not sure. Well, I'm who does he play? Does he play the um, opposing? He, he's, the, he's the dwarf. In the, uh, oh, in that Kenny Baker. Oh, Kenny yeah. Baker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, so John Hurt would show up on his days at 5 a.m., shoot from noon to 10 p.m. <laughs> and then, Christ. you know, another two hours after that to be, you know, Good taken out Lord. of the, the prosthetics. <laughs> and there were 14 pieces that were put onto him, mm-hmm. not including the headpiece. Oh, my God. The amount of, in, in the and you know, like, David Lynch was like, well, I'll do the makeup myself. The first ones were probably like, we can't use this, David. Well, why not? Because it's fucking plaster and Play-Doh because you're doing the same thing from a racer head. Like, that's probably why they didn't do it. The lady in the radiator. <laughs> yes, it would look like the lady in the radiator. Oh, but um, I have not seen a racer head. So, you uh, would love a racer don't head. Do so, uh, don't do I can't it. comment on any don't of Don't do it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that this is uh, The Elephant Man. Your, your guys' thoughts on the movie, the, the, the kickoff to Lynch Month. I mean... You start with this, and then it's just kind of going to be uh, like falling down the stairs with the next ones, because we really get into Lynch, <laughs> where it's just like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, well, what are you then, guys recording after this? Uh, after this is Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. Oh, buddy. Yes, love Blue Velvet. Uh, the people we're watching it with do not love Blue Velvet. They <sighs> kind of hate that fucking movie. I see. It's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be an exciting episode. <laughs> it's kind of weird to start the month off with what's what would be like the apex of other directors' careers. Yeah, but oh, yeah. Lynch still has more to go. The, again, his second movie, yeah. nominated for eight eight Oscars. The movie he does after this is Dune, basically because they wanted he was going to do uh, Return of the Jedi. And he was like, fuck that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna, okay. Everybody's like, oh, sweet Jesus. Okay. So, yeah. So, here's, here's the, I guess, the post-narrative story of uh, uh, Elephant Man. So, Elephant Man comes out, eight Oscar nominations. I don't think it wins any. But no. it's he goes from Financially make, successful. Financially yeah. successful. Makes five times its budget back. And you got to think There's about it. There's a lawsuit because the Elephant Man is on Broadway. And they're like, dude, you're stealing from us. because oh, you know? really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but that's the whole thing where he goes from being like, uh, a roofer to being 
the toast of Hollywood, like, oh, you're... At, at the Academy Awards. At the Academy Awards, the last movie you made was this, like, midnight movie classic and eraser, then you go straight to the Oscar tops, and George Lucas was like, you, you know what, I, I think I kind of want this guy to make uh, Return of the Jedi, because that's how George Lucas sounds. Like and, David Lynch just being quieter? <laughs> yeah, this is how George Lucas sounds. If you ever if you ever listen to George Lucas on anything, he sounds like he just got beaten by Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> but, um, I knew you were going to make that reference. We, we talked about that before. It's hilarious. But um, uh, So George Lucas gets um, David Lynch in for a meeting and be like, I want you to direct Return of the Jedi. And David Lynch is like, the fuck is that? And then, you know figures out and he's like i don't i don't think you want me to direct this movie so i'm i'm gonna bow out and then he decides to go and make dune with dino de laurentis which was originally supposed to be like a six hour full adaptation of the book in the weird lynchian style like an epic with a capital e epic with a capital e it got cut down to two hours 15 minutes also if you went to the premiere they gave you a cheat sheet to follow the plot of the movie. Oh That's God. badass. <laughs> that is badass, actually. <laughs> and um, that movie bombed horribly. Yeah. <laughs> and then as um, Dino De Laurentiis' I'm so sorry for basically ruining your buzz after the Oscars, I'll give you whatever you want to make Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. And then he makes Blue Velvet, which is considered his best movie his like best like lynchian like work like that's the movie everyone's like this is the rosetta stone of david lynch because after this he just makes his own uh. fucking movies mm-hmm. and becky's doing the ah uh, because she is um uh not a fan of uh yeah. mr lynch or blue velvet blue velvet yeah blue velvet no you've seen blue velvet before or yeah you... oh for for uh for recording purposes yes i have mm. she just doesn't like when the greatest madman no, comes in. No. Dennis Hopper. No. He plays, oh, Dennis Hopper. He plays you, the you villain. You just stop oh. right there. I already know. But um, but yeah. yeah. Please don't repeat the line. Oh, <laughs> We're gonna I'm hear a, it plenty next it's week. It's gonna be great. But um, so yeah. Your final thoughts on uh, the Elephant Man? I guess. The really good. Um, really heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. Really thought provoking ways you wouldn't really expect. I mean, I think a lot of the other movies that we've kind of mentioned that are like in a similar vein, like um, um, Quasimodo, uh, Fan of the Opera, like these kind of are Beauty and the Beast, they don't provoke your thoughts in the same way as this movie mm-hmm. would, you know, even though it's kind of like the same tropes mm-hmm. of like the disfigured person. But it just really hits home at the end of the movie. You got to watch the movie, watch the cathedral, watch the end of the movie, the pan beautiful pan at the end of the movie <laughs> top five pans of all time god yes uh, it's like four of them in are, are in stalker and then this one <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if i'd go well those trolley pans are really good in stalker <laughs> anyway but yeah it's just a really powerful movie becky ditto but yeah i mean just be be prepared it'll attack your heart i mean yeah i, I was expecting it to be a rough film to watch uh, I, I asked my mom, I'm like, you know, have you ever seen this movie? What should I expect? She's like, I could only watch it one time. She's like, it completely broke me. I can't, you know, I can't. So, yeah, I, I ended up really enjoying this movie. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, just, you know, it talks about the human spirit, the human condition, society, how fucked it can be, but also how beautiful it can be when you're, you know, accepting of others. Mm-hmm. So I give it two thumbs up. This is probably my favorite Lynch movie. 
question, question mark? mark? I mean, this is like, you know, five out of five stars. I watched this movie and I... It's one of those things where it's like you seem to get beaten down so much, but I feel like so like... I don't know, just like full and hopeful at the end. When he, like, it's like fucking the human soul, the spirit this guy has is just so unbreakable. It's pure. It's mm-hmm. pure and beautiful. And I think the movie is very beautiful, both like cinematographically and mm-hmm. thematically. And it is one of those movies, like a lot of Lynch movies, where you can read into it and deep dive into it and scratch the surface. And it's a thing where I'm so surprised that he didn't want to make it at first. And I'm so glad he actually did get to make it. Yeah. Is it your second or third time watching the movie? Fourth? Fourth, Fourth? I think I've seen it. I saw it twice at home. Mm-hmm. Once in the theater. And then this is the fourth time. And I, it gets better for me, I think, every time. I did get more out of it in the second viewing. Just just letting you know, I did get more out of it in oh, the second yeah. viewing. This wasn't a one and done for me. This was one that I could come back to. It's not like Million Dollar Baby. That was a one and done for me. I'm like, I can't, oh, really? I can't do it. Yeah, I cannot. <laughs> you're like, I can't. You're like, oh, God, it hurts so much. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, this one I'll come back to, and I want to see what else I can pick up on my next watch of it. But with that, I think we kind of spoil what we're doing next week. We did. Uh, but, oh, my bad. But, but, no, no, uh, that's fine. That's fine. It's just, you know, I was thinking, what what's a better way to describe it than, like, falling down the stairs for the rest of the month? It's that uh, Chris Farley meme where he comes, you know, rolling down the hill. And he gets <laughs> up and he's all disheveled and he's like, thumbs up and keeps walking. That's what I feel like I'm going to have to do to just kind of like, all right, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah, because I think because this is by far the most accessible, accessible Lynch movie. Well, this is also um, the only month where I've only seen one film that we're going to be watching and reviewing. True, true. Because like we have to do the recordings out of order. So like, yeah. But um, yeah, this is uh, definitely the most accessible movie. That's why we started with it. But it's going to get weirder as we go. But if they wanted to follow us, where can they go? If you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. You can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That's The Film Vault on YouTube. You can go like, comment, subscribe there. And when Dean gets around to it, he'll upload more slideshow versions of this podcast. Also, go and listen to, uh, you know, Randy's and me's old episodes of The Film Odyssey. Give it a Yikes. shot. Yeah, <laughs> gotta plug everything. But if you wanted to hear... or see more of our plugs on social media you can go to the film club podcast on instagram where we post up uh what do we post we post stories uh, we post daily stories upcoming episodes and random adventures we go on but does randy want to plug anything before we get out of here any streams he's been watching video games movies books the bible uh uh yeah the bible i'll just plug the bible yeah (laughs) word up (laughs) all right everybody see you next week bye bye